I always enjoy hearing them sing, and I tell you what, I love that God is not dead. Wasn't that great? And that video clip just showing God being on trial with, in the hearts of some people. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord today, and uh, I hope and pray that, that you brought with you a spiritual heart and a spiritual appetite for the things of God. Good to see you here today in the rain, too. Good attendance for a rainy month, uh, Sunday morning. Uh, we just want to have a thank you here in loving memory of uh, Lewis McClary, Jake. And this is a note from Joe Ellen just saying thanks for all the prayers to the Crossroads family for the food and Jake's passing. It was all greatly appreciated. And we're praying for Joe Ellen and a definite change in her life. When someone passes away, especially a spouse, um, the landscape of your life radically changes. So we'll be praying for her. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, I want to speak to you on a subject entitled, Did I Miss God? And uh, so many times we make decisions in our life and we, we make uh, definite journeys in our life and, and we sometimes second guess ourselves whether or not we miss God. And I think all of us have uh, a spirit of conscientiousness of wanting to do God's will. How many want to just want to be in God's favor, in God's will, about everybody. And, uh, but there are times that we go through life and things that we come through intersections and changes in our life and we make decisions and, and sometimes we always feel when things don't go well, we question ourselves and say, am I really in God's will? Did I miss God somewhere? Did I get off this intersection? Did I miss God? And this morning I want to speak to you on this subject about missing God. And I really want to look in the life of Abraham just uh, briefly this morning because here's a man who God called him to, to go out and God didn't give him much information. Other, I want you to leave the land of the uh, Ur of the Chaldees. I want you to leave this homeland that's so comfortable for you. And I want you to go out because I'm going to do something great. I just want you to unpack everything that you have or pack up everything you have here. And I just want you to go out and I'll meet you out there somewhere. No specifics, just go. Just go, follow me. And uh, we give Abraham a lot of kudos because he had the faith to believe God and follow God. But at the same time, he was human, and we all have human expectations. I know in my life, I, when I was a young man, I had expectations of what my life was going to be. And I will tell you, I look in retrospect, and I'm thinking, this is nothing what I thought it was going to be. Isn't that true? Life never turns out like we think it ought to be. There, there are things in our life, as we look back, we're thinking, boy, maybe I miss God there. Maybe I miss God over here. But, but the fact of the matter is that God doesn't want us to go through life grieving over our past. Somehow in our life, we've got to make peace with our past so we can go forward. If we're always looking in the rearview mirror of our life, we're going to wreck in the future. And this morning, I want to talk to you about this thing on, did I miss God? And kind of look into the life of Abraham and see some principles in his life that can really help us today. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We'll pray that you would bless the reading of your word, and we'll thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 says this, by faith, and surely it was by faith, Abraham, when he was called out to go into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed, and I love this, and he went 
out, not knowing whether he went. He had no idea where he was going. This is what you call blind faith, just following God, just doing what God wants you to do. But there were some expectations, I'm sure, in Abraham's life. He probably thought to himself, wow, if God wants me to leave the Ur of the Chaldees, my beautiful little house, my picket fence, and the comfortable job that I have, and if God wants me to leave all this and just go out and follow him, then then surely it's going to be a life that's going to be grandiose. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. The opposite happens. Whenever we do God's will, There's never that promise that life will always be easy. And sometimes we get the idea of doing God's will, that there is always going to be something wonderful or comfortable about it. Many people go through life grieving that their life is not where they think it ought to be. Some go through a pit of depression. I I talk to, I think it's the number one thing in my counseling with people and working with people. The number one thing is I feel I have ruined my life. I have made decisions I thought were right, but they chose to be wrong decisions. And and now I feel like I've just spoiled my life. There's so many people who feel that. They think they have blown it. Maybe they shouldn't have changed jobs. Maybe they shouldn't have bought that new house. Or maybe they shouldn't have moved to a different city. And maybe they shouldn't have taken that big promotion. And maybe they shouldn't have started a brand new business. And and what do you do when the things that you expected in life all turn sour? What do you do? It's always easy, and I have found this to be true, to look back and criticize yourself for the decisions that you made years ago. And we all have done our share of second guessing. Maybe I should have did this. Maybe I should have did that. My life would have been better if I had only, we've all done that. It's normal, it's natural, and to a certain, ex- certain extent, it can be useful. They're, they say there's only 3 to 5% people uh, of the population that feel like, you know what, I'm very happy with my life, 3 to 5%. <laughs> that leaves uh, uh, 95 of us like, good night. What happened here? I recently got an email from someone that I I thought was interesting, and and they wrote this, and they said, basically, their first opening line was, we have ruined our lives. I was like, great, Scott. And they said in the early 1990s, they left the job in Maryland to move to Texas because they thought that the Lord was leading them in that direction, but it never kind of looked out, uh, worked out like they had expected. And along the way, they got sick, and and along the way, they had gone through some severe uh, uh, treatments with chemo, and, and now they are suffering So they decided to move back to Maryland, and they want to come see me for counseling, and they want to say, help us get back on track. Help us with this void and this emptiness in our life. And they said, we decided to move back to Maryland where now we are a lot older. We've got a lot more bangs and bruises. And we often wonder, will we ever be happy again? And can we ever trust God with our future if secretly we think our past decisions were all wrong? And that last sentence just really stuck out at me. How can we trust God with our future if we secretly think our past decisions that we made were wrong? We've all been there time and time again. Some of us have been there many times. Did I miss God? 
They bought a new house only to discover that the foundation has cracks and now that dream home has become a nightmare. Or, or they took a new job because of an old boss was a jerk and only to discover that the new boss was three times the jerk as the old one. They moved to a new city hoping for a new start, but the promised job never materialized. And you discover that the people in the new city are not particularly glad to see you. You decided to find a brand new church because you didn't like the gossip of the old church, and you switch only to find out that there were nothing but demons in the next one. You prayed for a long time for your own business, and you got all excited, and everything seemed to look right until you took that step of faith and that leap, and you only jumped into a pit, only to see it fail within months. And you chose someone to marry in your life and you thought, this is it, we're going to be happy forever and only to know that that marriage went sour and could not go forward. And with all of those factors joins all of these examples, you, you prayed about it, you, you, you were conscientious about it, in your heart you thought it was the right decision, you took all the steps you knew how to take, including seeking godly counsel, considering circumstances, searching the Bible for God's wisdom, and you did what you thought was right, but it just chose to be a very negative experience in your life. And you wonder and you question, did I miss God somewhere? Was God wanting me to go this way and I went this way and because of that, the consequences of that have been grave. And worse, deep down in your heart, you're asking the same question that couple asked me, how can I trust God with my future if I secretly think my past decisions were wrong? And when I think about these down-to-earth examples, my mind goes back to the story of Abraham because... Abraham had a great expectation. God says, I want you to leave the Earl of the Chaldees and I want you to leave your hometown because I've got a city out there, a, a, a land for you that is great and it's wonderful. And Abraham went out with this great, robust feeling of hope only to find that he ran into a life of great complication. I like what the text says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance... He obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went. Now this verse illustrates a central truth about the life of faith. And let me just share this with you. You never see the big picture in advance. Even if you think you see it, you really don't. Can I say that again? You never see the big picture in advance. Even if you think you see it, you really don't. And how true it is for you and for me. We don't know what's in our tomorrow. We have no idea what quick turn that God's going to take us in life. All we know is that God is in our tomorrow. And whatever we come to face, he's going to be with us. And give us that, I call it, that sufficient grace to get you through. Amen? He might not give you that abundant grace, but he will give you that sufficient grace to give you the strength to endure and to go through what God has for you. I have found this, whenever God calls us to a place, he doesn't always explain himself. He doesn't write out the specifics of his will in the clouds. He always leaves that element of faith. He always leaves that element for us to make that leap, trusting God, trusting him. He always tells you just enough to get you moving in the right direction. And that's precisely what God does with Abraham. God called him and Abraham just jumped out and obeyed. But in the going and in the obedience, 
trouble met him with every step of the way. He may have doubted when he went. He may have argued with God a little bit, but he went. He may have wondered, where in the world am I going? But he went. When God calls, the only proper response is to obey and just follow God. Do you remember those old Greyhound commercials, go Greyhound and leave the driving to us? Boy, that sounds nice. That's not a bad motto for a life of faith. When God calls, move out and leave the driving to him. And when attempting to follow God's will for our life, we've got to acknowledge three truths that will keep us grounded. And I don't know about you. I, don't, you know, I, I want to do God's will, don't you? I want, I want to be in God's specific will. I want to be in that place where it, I can function and do what he wants me to do to accomplish what he wants. My life is not my own. It's not my choice. It's his choice. I want to do God's will. And I think you want the same thing in your life. But there are three grounded truths that we really got to embrace if we're ever going to move forward. How many want to move forward this morning? Amen. How many? Hey, listen, I don't want to get stuck. I have been stuck so many times. Oh, listen, I, I just get stuck. You know, and I just say, God, just keep me going. You know, I'll be 61 this month. And, 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 and you know what? I hope and pray God gives me age up to the 80s and 90s to just still keep preaching and pastoring and still keep going. I want to keep going forward until the Lord tarries. Amen? Someone says, well, I don't want to hear you when you're 80 years old preaching. Yes, you do. Let me give you my wallet. Here's my wallet. Four people up here want to hear me preach when I'm in my 80s. Just think of the wisdom that I'll have at that time. <laughs> oh, boy. Help me, Lord. Here are, four th- here are three things, four things, three things that will help keep you grounded in moving forward. Number one, God often sends trouble in order to test our motives. Whenever you're going forward, God always tests us. He always does. In fact, when Israel was moving through the wilderness wanderings, uh, that 40 years, he tested them to prove them, to see what was inside of them. God always runs us through tests. There are times, and Job said this, there are times that God lets us out there and God just steps backward. He steps backwards. And sometimes we have this sense is, where's God? We go forward, he's not there. We go to the left, he's not there. Uh, to the right, he's not there. We look by. God has a tendency sometimes to step into the shadows to see if he can trust us to trust him in the storms of our life. He, he wants to test us to see whether or not our motive of living for him is purely to trust him by faith and faith alone. When Abraham arrived in the promised land, he immediately discovered that some people weren't glad to see him. He finally got to the first town called Shechem. And God's will doesn't mean that life will be without complications, setbacks, and sorrows. May I say that now? So somebody here has this, I, this ideology or this flowery idea of doing God's will is, a, is a, a railroad car riding on a bed of roses into the glorious heavens. Let me tell you something. Doing God's will can be rigorous, disappointing. In fact, a lot of Christians get thrown off the wagon because they set out to serve God with these glowing ideas about Christianity and they get thrown because they realize that they didn't take heed what Jesus said in this world you will have trials and tribulations and doing God's will doesn't always mean everything's going to be wonderful in life Genesis chapter 12 verse 6 tells us that that when when he got to that first town that God led him to in this town called Shechem the Bible says as soon as he got there he found that the place was overrun with Canaanites And the Canaanites were enemies of the people of God, and immediately there was tension. 
So in doing the will of God, he experiences not this, oh, this awesome feeling of glory, but he experiences this tension of conflict. Canaanites were the sworn enemies of the people of God. And when Abraham arrives in the promised land, the first people that he meet are these awful pagan idolaters who throw their baby, babies in the fire pit and they're just barbarians, you know. And he left his beautiful, nice community to live with a bunch of wild rednecks. It's a reminder that living by faith is never easy, not for Abraham, not for you or for me. And not only did he have bad neighbors, the Canaanites, the Bible says that when he got to, to Shechem, there was a famine. The crops dried up. It's like, well, I thought this was going to be a place of blessing. I thought this was going to be a place of fruitfulness. And, and, and here there's conflict. I mean, there was no food and people were starving and dying and the crops were gone. And so the Bible tells us that Abraham decided in order to survive, he had to leave Shechem and go down into Egypt. In fact, Genesis 12, 10 says, and, and there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. So not only did he find bad neighbors, but he found that the land where he went was the pits. God sent a famine just as Abraham began to settle down. The fact in and of itself is not unusual, but the timing ought to catch our attention after Abraham's great step of faith, you would have thought that God would have given him a period of peace and quiet and reward, but instead he entered in a world of conflict. After accepting God's call and following through, God was testing him to see whether or not he was going to trust him in the difficulty. Abraham was met with a world of trouble and conflict. His wife was kidnapped by the Egyptian leaders. His he suffered family problems, experienced the split between Abraham and Lot, his cousin. They got in a big argument, and their, their herdsmen got in an argument. That was terrible. The promises of God didn't seem to come through. God promised him a son, and they were in their 90s, and they're out in this strange land, and, and Sarah decided, I'm tired of waiting. I'm past the age of bearing children. Let Bring Hagar in here and let her go lay with him and go have a child with him and Soon, God was upset with that. That was a big mess. Later, there was turmoil and conflict there in those families. And then there was the traumatic test on Mount Moriah of giving his son on the altar. There was no easy path for Abraham. It wasn't nothing what they were expecting. It was, listen, Abraham's like, what, what kind of inheritance did I ever get? Everywhere he went, he ran into conflict and trouble. But in retrospect, in looking back, I'm sure Abraham probably thought, somewhere I have missed God. I've gone in the wrong direction. Life is rarely that simple for any of us. Sometimes we, we, we look back at other people and we think, well, their life looks just picturesque. Their life looks, they look so happy. They look so, listen, everybody has troubles. Everybody has grief. They're all different flavors of different kinds. But I guarantee you that everybody in this room right now, listen, if we throw it all on the table, we all have hardships and difficulty. There's no such thing as a carefree, happy-free, problem-free believer if you are, would you stand up because, man, I want to run with you. How many have troubles? Just raise your hand. Be honest. All of us. 
God often sends trouble following a period of prosperity to test our motives. Are are we serving him just because things are going well? What if we lose our job, our marriage, our friends, our reputation, our wealth, our home, our health? Will we still serve him then? It's crucial to see the larger point. The God who called Abraham in the first place is the same God who sent the famine. He's the same God that brought in the Canaanites. He is the same God that allowed the conflict to come into his life because God wants to test us and try us. Not to break us down, not to discourage us, to try us, to see what we're made of, to purify the impurities of our life. And the closer I get to heaven, and I sure hope it's pretty close now, the closer I get to heaven, I know God is in the refining business in my life. And I want to be faithful in the furnace because when I get when I get to heaven, that will be complete in Christ and I will be like him. The call and the famine go together because they came from the same place. If we believe in a God who is in charge of all the details of our life, then this must be true. Now, a couple good things I take home with us this morning. Life is short for all of us. And if all of us had a chance to go back and redo some things and change some things... We would probably make some decisions differently, but you know what? You cannot go back and exempt or cut out all of the conflicts and problems that would have been in that path of life. And here's the second big thought. Too much introspection about the past makes us uncertain about the future. Some of us think too much about the past. We're so focused on the hardships of our past that it paralyzes us in our today. It doesn't matter what would have happened if this writer or this couple who had stayed in Maryland, because no one would have had any idea what they would have gone through had they stayed in Maryland and not moved to Texas. If we don't believe in God and his sovereignty, we are doomed to frustration because we will replay all of our decisions over and over and over again. Too much introspection about the past makes us uncertain about the future But if we believe in God and if we believe that God is sovereign, the word sovereign means that God controls all our situations. At some points, we have to move on. And the only way to do that is to, listen carefully, the only way to do that is to focus on God, not your past. Focus on him. Focus on his greatness. Focus on his goodness. And somehow, Romans 8.28 has got to come to play at some point in our life. And where that verse says, and we know, and we know that all things, good things, bad things, bad choices, good choices, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Stop grieving over your past and realize God used it for lessons in in, in your life to build you who you are today. God is at work. He's in construction in your life. And learn from your lessons of yesterday and be a better person today and be optimistic and realize that God has a great future for you. God has a plan for your life. Now, does that include the good things that happen to us? Does it include the decisions we make that turn out well? We know that the answer is yes. All things work together for good. Does it include the worst things that happen to us? Yes, Does it include even our questionable decisions? Yes. 
All things work together. All things. God takes, that's what I love about God. He takes all of our craziness. He takes all of our mistakes, our, 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 our wrong decisions. He takes all of it and he, and he uses it for good in our life. There has to come a time in our life that we drive the stake down and say, this is my life. And I want God to bless it. And I want to learn from my life. But I want to be a better person instead of grieving and moping and feeling like you lost your, your life or you have ruined your life. Instead of being soiled with this disappointment that just, just poisons your spirit. Instead of that, realize that God takes everything in our life and he uses it for good. And just turn to your neighbor and say, it's all good. Can you do that? I saw a lady look at her husband and say, you ain't good. You ain't good at all. You, forget it. <laughs> it's all good. I like it. If words mean anything, then all things of Romans 8.28 must include those decisions we think would make differently. And some of us, we're so earthly bound. We think, we think every, everything in life is so weighty here. Let me, I got news for you. We are on a journey. We're on a quick trip. We're just passing through. We are pilgrims because we're going to a better place, a perfect place. You might have made blunders. You might have made mistakes. You might have made bad choices. My friend, you're not living here forever. You're only here for a short window of time because you're spending your life over there where life will be perfect and be complete and you'll be glorified with Christ forever. Give the Lord a hand of praise. It's all right. We're going home. We're going to heaven. It's all right. We need to get a better perspective when it comes to our faith. And then I think we need to pray that prayer. When we factor God in our past, we can let go of the past. And at some point, we need to pray a prayer like this and not take life so heavy. This is, this is the prayer. And I wrote this down because this is my prayer. Lord, I believe you can use those things for my good and your glory. I believe it because your word says it. And I also believe that if I trust you, you will prove yourself faithful to me, even though right now I may have doubts about how my life is working out. I know, God, ultimately, you will lead me to the path of perfection. And then I want you to look at the third point, and I'm going to be through. I told Brother Ken, I said, Ken, I'm going to finish early this morning. He goes, No, I am. I'm going to try. Point number three, the past is gone and we can't go back. Number three, the, the past is gone and we can't go back. It's like a snapshot. In fact, I was looking through an album just the other day of pictures of when I had a lot of hair and I was thin. I'm like, did I really look like that? Then I went and looked in the bathroom mirror and I said, good night. And I'm thinking, but, but those, I, I can't ever go back to that. 175 pound guy. Well, I could, but I ain't going to. <laughs> I can get a wig and go to Weight Watchers and <laughs> eat. I had someone gave me some cereal. They said, this, if you eat this four times a day, you, you won't gain weight. It was called puff wheat. I said, ain't nothing but air in it. <laughs> Heck with that, I'll just suck up air, man, you know. But the past is gone. We can't go back. I mean, it's, it's, long, it's like a snapshot. It's taken in, in time. You can't ever go back to it. 
you're going to leave here in about an, another two hours. And uh, <laughs> when you leave here, you're never going to be able to come back to this moment. You, you pass through. You're passing through. It's, it, it's, it's over. Don't try to go back. You can't live in yesterday. As a wise man said, the key to a better future is to stop trying to have a better past. Here's the most profound thing I I know about the past. It is what it is. Nothing you can do can change it in the least. You can't live in the past. You can't live in tomorrow forever. And you can't live in today forever. The voice of God calls us onward toward tomorrow. And and here's, here's a series of three statements I call the first law of spiritual progress. It goes like this. I can't go back. I can't stay here. I must go forward. You can't go back to the past, not to relive the good times or undo the mistakes you made, but you can stay, but you can't stay where you are here either. You've got to go forward. I found that life is like a river that flows ever onward. It matters not whether you are happy in your present situation or whether you seek deliverance from it. You can't stay where you are forever, and the only way to go is to go forward And when you're tempted to despair and when you're looking backwards and you're regretting and grieving over past decisions, remember that you can't go back, you can't stay where you are, but only by God's grace you can look full in his face and just soak up his grace and soak up his forgiveness because God has given you a new day to live out his will and you can go forward. God is always calling us onward, forward, moving out by faith into the unknown future. And this is not easy, but it must be done. And when we do it, we will discover a well of joy springing up to refresh our souls as we march onward with God. We can't change the past. And even if we could, we can't always be sure we would improve things. In fact, we might make greater problems. But we can trust the Lord Go forward and do our best and leave the results in his hands. So what's the bottom line? All of us have a past. All of us have said, done, did, made decisions, done things. We look back and go, oh, man. God says, I'm going to take all of that and use it for good. You're not a failure. You're only a failure when you give up and you quit. And you settle for a life of disappointment and grief, and you stay stuck. You can go forward today. I don't care what your age is. I don't care if you're 90. I don't care if you're 12. It doesn't make any difference. The fact of the matter is, God wants you to go forward, live your life to the fullest, throw everything into the lap of God, good and bad, throw it into the lap of God and say, you know what, today I want to live and I want to enjoy the life that God has given to me. And I want to enjoy the present circumstances, the gifts that God has given me today. And I'm not going to look in my rearview mirror. I'm going to look straight ahead and I'm going to look full in the face of God and let him be my lifter and my helper and my encourager. Life is going to soon come to an end. Sooner than you think. It's going to be over. The rapture could happen by the night. It's all over. Or you might pass. I might pass. But I know this, that when I leave this world and I go to the next, I take the lessons that I've learned to build the person who I am today 
into my eternal future. God has a plan. God has a purpose. Stop worrying about the past. Stop worrying about past this. Take the day that God has given to you. Move forward in faith, in vigor, in a good spirit of total trust that God knows what he's doing in your life. I like what the Bible says, that he that started a good work in you will complete it until the day of redemption. He is going to complete what he started in you. You're not a failure. It's not all bad. Get out of the rut. Put your head up, put your chin up, and say, this is a great day because God's in my past He's in my today and he's in my tomorrow. And one day I will reach that realm of perfection and all of this grief will be gone forever and I will enter into the realm of bliss and live totally joyfully happy with my loved ones and with my blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. Bottom line is, it's all good. Look to your neighbor and say, it's all good. Amen, praise, give the God a hand of praise. It's all good. It's all good. Now go out of here happy. Look up at the rain and say, hey, it's good. It's good. When you go to the restaurant, look to that waitress and say, it's all good. You're getting a good tip today. It's all good. It's all good. Just be happy. It's all good. Father Jesus, we thank you that you're the God of our past.